0: hello and welcome back to the glossy week in review podcast where we discuss the three biggest news stories in fashion from the week we are recording this episode in miami florida at the site of glossy's annual fashion summit i'm fashion reporter danny parisi and i'm here as usual with editor-in-chief Jill manoff hello Jill.
1: hello live from miami Woo. live
0: not live exactly but, but <laughs> from miami um this week there was some really interesting news so we saw rent the runway finally ipo um we also saw a very fun Balenciaga crossover with the Simpsons and then for our third story we're actually going to talk a little bit about what we heard at the uh, at the summit. Um we had some really great guests. We had Neiman Marcus, we had Cynthia Raleigh. Um, but to start let's go into Rent the Runway. I mean, I feel like this IP, IPO was sort of in the works for a long time. Um it finally went public on Monday. The thing that stood out to me was just getting to see some of the details of their revenue and and um, the losses they saw in the last year. We sort of speculated, uh, Jill and I, about surely they must have lost a lot of money if people were not going out to events and renting like a really fancy gown. Um, But they actually lost almost 40% of their revenue last year. I think it dropped from $256 million in 2019 to $157 million in 2020. They had 95,000 subscribers last year compared to 147,000 subscribers in 2019. so, Joe, what do you think? We obviously, we sort of knew that they um, would be hit hard by the pandemic. It kind of cut into exactly what they're for, which is for going out to events and stuff. Um, I don't know. Yeah. Seeing those numbers, what, what, what do you think?
1: I mean, full disclosure, I am a, a longtime Rent the Runway subscriber member. Uh, and yeah, for a long time, I would really. Think of it as wow this is too good to be true because i would get a new wardrobe ever every week it was unlimited um refreshes and also i could go to the store and if i needed something immediately i could get it that day there was no wait and they were opening drop-off locations everything was kind of t- a little too easy um and when the pandemic hit I did. I paused my own membership. I didn't feel the need to have a cute top on Zoom when everybody's in their sweatshirt. Um, and I peeked in every once in a while to to um, check something out for an event. And I I was like, what's happening with the inventory? Definitely, um, when I did swoop in, um, felt picked over. I, I'll tell I'll tell you that. So when I did want something, I couldn't find it. Um, they changed their unlimited membership. Now you can get four items at a time you can refresh once a month so eight items a month as opposed to i i would get four items every week so that's quite the the difference and also i mean it is a little bit more affordable but it's not i mean i would pay more for more clothes that's for sure so a lot of changes happening they're obviously they were cutting costs they closed their stores like you said no surprise that they that they were losing, um, that they lost a good deal of money in 2020 like everybody else. But, um, I mean, I don't know that I'm going to go back to being a member mm-hmm. because um, I, I I, would if Unlimited was still there. So, we'll see it when they come back, if they don't bring that back, if they're going to ramp back up their members and um, – I don't know. I, I do have hope for the rental market. I do feel like there's something there and that they are the leader in the space. So uh, I see potential. And yeah, what do you think? I, I, I think I, it's going to be a slow build is what I, I'm trying to say.
0: Yeah, I think so as well. Um, one thing I should note is that the 95,000 subscribers last year, that includes paused memberships. That's all subscribers, not not active subscribers. So active subscribers is actually even lower. Um, I don't have the exact number, but it's less than that. I think it's in the 70,000s. Yeah, I, I heard multiple people tell me that their inventory was really, well, it, not exactly that there was nothing to rent, but just that the things that you wanted to rent weren't there. Um, so there, there were options, but it just all the good stuff was kind of, like you said, picked over. The other thing that I'd be curious to see is how their business model changes. Um, I know from talking to them, they do a lot of revenue share with big brands. They, rather than, um, like buying it wholesale, they'll just get shipments of product from the brands and split the split the revenue. They also have a resale business um, that they started, I think, this year. Um, and I think even in the first couple of months that took off um, pretty well. I'd be curious to see if that becomes a bigger part of the business um, and how those, those different revenue models stand up to investor scrutiny. Um, so they might make some changes in the next year or so. We'll see. Um, but like you said, I mean, I don't think rental is a dead concept. It's absolutely not. It's, it's a big deal. A lot of people it's, I kind of think of it and resale rental and resale is very, um, similar concepts and they're both growing a lot. So I don't think rent the runway is going to tank or anything, but, um, the pandemic, we suspected the pandemic cut into that business model and it definitely did. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm sure they're gonna, like you said, slow build over time, uh, Let's move into the second topic, which is Balenciaga's um, Simpsons crossover at Paris Fashion Week. Um, I thought this was very fun. I'm not the biggest Simpsons fan in the world. Um, Dimna Vasalia, I think it's Dimna, has been creative director at Balenciaga since 2015. He's known for a lot of these really inventive kind of things, like covering Kim Kardashian completely in a black sort of body and face suit at the Met Gala. But uh, so from what I read, he's reportedly a huge Simpsons fan. He just sent an email to Matt Groening, the creator of The Simpsons, asked them to make an episode of The Simpsons um, themed around Balenciaga to show at Paris Fashion Week, and they did. Um, I don't think it's a full episode. I think it's like less than 10 minutes. Um, But from what I understand, it's like a legit Simpsons episode. It's written by The Simpsons writers. It's got all the voice cast who play Homer and Marge and all those people. and from what, at least from what Business of Fashion said, it sounded very funny. I didn't watch the whole thing. The thing that's notable about it is under visalia I feel like Balenciaga has become a huge presence in streetwear, arguably maybe even more so than in like high runway fashion. I feel like the, the triple S sneaker and, you know, stuff like, um, like this with The Simpsons, it, this to me feels like a streetwear thing more than a couture, couture fashion thing. Um, I don't know, so what, what do you think of where Balenciaga lies on the spectrum between like streetwear and high fashion? Obviously those two worlds have tons of crossover, um, but I, I don't know, I almost wonder if they're moving like too much towards streetwear at the expense sometimes of um, uh, the the runway. Oh, that's World. an
1: interesting take for sure. But um, it makes sense, and also the the Simpsons like this is the king of collaborations at the helm of Valenciaga, um from Vetements days. Um, so I think that it makes perfect sense for him to go there. I also know that this runway show where this Simpsons episode was, um, I guess where it aired, where it where it premiered for the first time, um, it was very much kind of a. Spectacular was a lot of unexpected elements, which that's what you want from a fashion show to make it worth it, um, to make, yeah, make it transcend the physical space into the digital realm as everyone's talking about it. Um, The red carpet, which everybody was like, what is this red carpet? Um, As they walked in, that actually was serving as the fashion show and some of the influencers and staffers that were getting their photo taken were actually wearing new Pieces from the collection. Anyway, there were various elements that were innovative, um, which is exciting. Simpsons. I mean, I'm 41 years old, <laughs> <laughs> and I remember. I mean, this, it's like iconic. I believe it's the longest running uh, sitcom. I think sitcom. so. Yeah, I think it is. Man, so I could. I mean, I were remember. you allowed to
0: watch the Simpsons ah, as a kid?
1: Um, we all. My, my brother and I had T-shirts. I remember my. Oh, one of them. Was like my mother had a fit. I it might have said like <laughs> eat my shorts or something. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I mean it's iconic. So if you it says something about the power of fashion that that um, you know the Simpsons is collaborating with this with this brand. I'm um, and and it really eases um, fashion into pop culture in a new way. Something that we haven't seen. Something that's not gaming, which is you know, everything right now. Um, so this did make a statement. It did get, get people talking, especially people that were there and seeing it live. Um, I wish I was there. So it was very
0: cool. You know what it reminds me of is um, going to the shopping mall and seeing like denim jackets with like Tweety Bird on it, but with like dress like Tupac or something that just insane or or superimposing Bugs Bunny into like the Scarface poster. Yes. Um, and that to me, that sort of almost cringy sort of like uh, references. It feels very streetwear to me. That's sort of ironic, um, referencing these like silly, dumb things from 10 or 20 years ago. Um, so that's why I say it feels very streetwear to me. Anyway, um, let's, let's move on. So the last thing, less of a, a news story um, in the headlines, but we have been, we spent the last few days here in Miami, um, the Glossy Fashion Summit, our first in-person event uh, in quite a while. Um, it went so well. Uh, there were so many great speakers, um, and there was a lot of good working groups where we had brand founders, brand executives um, just gather in a room, and um, they wrote down the biggest challenges they're facing. They slapped those challenges up onto a big board, and then we just spent a lot of time talking through them. So I thought for our third slot here, we just talk a little bit about what we heard from people um, here. We don't have to name them specifically. Um, because this was a little bit of a focus or a a support group kind of um, talking about the difficulties they're having. Um, Obviously, one of the biggest ones was the supply chain. Um, If you've been reading Glossy at all, you know we've been writing a lot about this. Um, A lot of brands are very worried about it. Um, One thing that stood out to me, one of the most um, uh, consistent notes that people were saying is that the various carriers are very unreliable to work with, FedEx, DHL, um, UPS even, just you never know like when something is actually going to get there. The, then they give you an estimate and then that estimate passes and you still don't know where your product is. Um, I don't know. what what Did you hear some stuff about that in your groups?
1: For sure. And we had this town hall session that was probably uh, supposed to be 45 minutes and we spent a good 35 minutes of those um, talking about the supply chain issues. It seems like everybody just was sitting on this waiting to uh, – get bent and also um, hear from others if they're having the same problem? Yes, they are. So everybody is bracing for holiday. Did they plan soon enough in advance? And also they're bracing, the, the communication with the, with their customer is, is the issue they don't know what to tell the customer because they're not hearing accurate information from the carriers, but also they know that um, maintaining that communication with the customer to say we we know you don't don't have your product, it's coming um, is important. So they're kind of stuck at, between a rock and a hard place, and they're also bracing themselves for um, I would say price hikes. Um, also dealing with the supply ch- chain, not with delays in shipping shipping, but with um, raw materials costs. So everybody is paying more. They're either doing it now for their next collection, which a lot of people said, um, that's when they plan to up the price of, of their garments. And so Um, They're like, we didn't want to do this. We have to do this um, in order to make a business of what we're doing here and to make money. Um, So they don't know what's to come and what the customer response will be. So various components of this uh, shipping crisis for sure.
0: Yeah, the other thing I heard was um, regionally specific. So places like Indonesia, Vietnam, um, Malaysia, if you produce there or you get materials from there, if your suppliers are there, Um, I think Vietnam, I I know Nike lost like 10 weeks of production because their Vietnam factory is just completely shut down. Um, And obviously that's been happening all over the world for the last year and a half or something. But I think the point is that it's still going on. There's still places that, you know, through no fault of your own, they just kind of can't get you what you need or can't make what you need um, for months at a time. And then you're just sort of sitting there on your hands that you have no idea what to do. Um, we heard one brand founder told me that they straight up canceled a product because they just had no idea when it could actually get there. So rather than trying to plan around the uncertainty and maybe we can fit it in here or something like that, they just canceled it altogether. And they were like, look, we're just going to sell what we know we can get rather than, you know, dealing with the stress of trying to figure out when this thing is actually going I don't even remember what the product was, but, um. Yeah, so so it seems like some drastic measures are being taken. Um, we didn't focus on solutions a lot; it was more just like talking through the problems. But did you um, hear from anyone about uh, ideas for how to make this process easier, for how to avoid shipping delays or or raw material costs?
1: I mean, really, the main the main theme was planning sooner in advance and not. Um, I guess things that are timely, somebody said, you know, I'm not going to plan for a March launch um, in my mind that this is going to launch in March. Um, I have to be more nimble or um, less stringent about my time frame. So I think that that makes sense. But man, it was awesome to see. Uh, we heard a lot about tariffs in Canada and and somebody would just say, how do I get around that? And such interesting go arounds. People are getting crafty, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody... Um, is not trying to ship directly to their customers in Canada, but they're working with a new wholesale partner So um, that gets around some of those tariffs. So um, Yeah, interesting to see what people are doing. I'm sure it's you know It's just another thing to consider on top of everything else after the year. We're coming out of um, So it's it troubled times as much as ever
0: Yeah, and and I think the the wholesale thing is interesting because if you're a DTC brand and you don't want to do wholesale That's a very appealing Um, component of wholesale is that you can ship one big bulk order to a retailer in Canada and pay the tariff one time um, and just be done with it and let them worry about it rather than having to send individual orders across the border and pay tariffs on every single one of them. Um, So we'll probably, I assume, we'll we'll maybe see some more DTC brands interested in wholesale outside of their home countries or outside of where they produce um, just to avoid some of those Uh, those tariffs. The other thing is, um, we talked about this last year, but holiday shopping happening earlier. Uh, I know a lot of brands are trying to convince people to or or communicate to people that they should be thinking about Christmas now or even thinking about Christmas like a month ago, Um, just because it's if we wait and bottleneck it all at the end of the year, it's just going to be as much of a nightmare as last year. I really don't think much has alleviated from last December, Um, but uh, we'll see.
1: I'm a procrastinator and I don't like this one bit
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm still gonna wait until December 23rd anyway but um, okay I think that's everything Jill thank you so much it was great talking to you
1: great being here